Thank you for that. Hannah, I know it's a little bit later than normal, so I'm going to talk fast. You listen fast, and we will be done about the, uh, about the same time. Um, when you, you, again, our society is different than it used to be back in, the, the, back in time when people would, would they had more propensity just to do what they were supposed to do without needing a reason, right? You ask somebody to do something now, and the first thing out of their mouth is, Why? By the way, don't argue with a two-year-old. <laughs> Go do this. Why? I said. That's the only excuse they need. Now, when they get teenagers, you're asking them to do some things. You might want to explain some things to them. I'm not going to argue with a, a four-year-old, okay? And some of you don't have the mental capacity to win that argument, so you might want to not do that in the first place. But, you know, people in our society, we try to do the bare minimum, right? How many know what I'm talking about? I heard a story years ago from Vin Scully. How many remember Vin Scully, the Dodger announcer? He said that they had a, a spring training game, and, and the, the umpires that would do the spring training games, they were trying to get a job. They're trying to earn a job, and so that was their chance. He said there was a guy doing the third base line, and his job is, you know, if the ball's foul, it's like, you know, f wait a minute, wait a minute, he's here. If it's foul, when they hit the ball, he goes like this so they know quit running. If it's fair, he goes like this. And he said this umpire was lazy, and he just had his hands in his pocket. He said, someone hit a ball down the line, it was foul, and he had his hands in his pocket, he couldn't do this, so he just did this. He started like moving his finger like foul, okay? And he said he did not get the job. That's how most people work. Most people are like, what is the bare minimum that I can get away with? You know the problem with that? A lot of things if you're a boss. But the problem with that is Christians are like that. Have you ever noticed that? We're really good at wanting to do just the bare minimum. What do I have to do? What's involved? <coughs> well, <coughs> I want us to see a, th a thought I want to share this morning. This part, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, if you go through it, is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It, he's, he, he's really speaking, particularly in chapter 5, of what is true spiritual righteousness. You see, many of the people that would come to see Jesus when he taught that asked him questions, to be honest, they weren't there because they wanted to know the truth. Most of them were steeped in their religion and they wanted to uh, uh, try to trip Jesus up or, or you know, just to, to kind of catch him off guard. They weren't there really to get truth because they were, they were trying to have their own righteousness by the way they lived and the things that they did. And by the way, you can never get true righteousness that way. We understand that. There's a misunderstanding that we have too. We, we must understand that we don't work to obtain righteousness. The reason we do the things we do for God is because we have already obtained God's righteousness. We can't get anything from God because of what we do. Most people, or a lot of people today that go to many churches that don't preach the gospel, they think they have to do something to go to heaven. They're trying to work to gain an eternal righteousness, which is impossible. We get our righteousness because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And then we seek to live a righteous life, not to gain heaven, but because we've been saved and Jesus has a better life for us. And so Jesus, in this chapter, uh, starts to speak uh, about spiritual righteousness. The beginning of the chapter, he explained what it really is. He talks about the Beatitudes and, and how that life lives. Then he moves on and explains how we get it. We don't get it by keeping the law because it's impossible to get that way. 
And that's what the religious people uh, of, uh, of that time and, and were, were trying to do. But then he gets to the part that, practically speaking, tells us how it works in our daily life. He takes uh, some of the laws and teaches how uh, that uh, we may not violate them physically, outwardly, but in essence, we are violating them inwardly and in our attitudes. See, a religious person thinks that just because they don't do something outwardly, it's okay to be rotten inwardly. And Jesus is teaching, you're, you're saved now, you go far beyond that. It ought to change who you are internally. Uh, you think about what he says about adultery. <coughs> adultery, <coughs> of course, and fornication, people that are being together physically that aren't married or aren't right or cheating on their spouse. And boy, they would all jump up and say, that's wrong. But Jesus said, if you lust after somebody in your heart, that's adultery. He says, there's a lot more to this righteousness. You've got to get it inwardly. And so that's what he's talking about here. But then the last example he gives in the last few verses, he starts to talk about (coughs) our love and our relationship with those around us, particularly when we have difficulties in relationships. I want you to look at these verses. Verse chapter uh, 5 and verse 46. He's teaching a principle here. If you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? You know what he's saying? He said, look, if you're a Christian, all you do is love people that love you. You get along with people that get along with you, but you don't love anybody else. Or you don't love people that don't get along with you. Unsafe people can do that. What difference is there in your life? Verse number 47. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans? He's just saying basically, look, if you're just doing baseline stuff, stuff that a person that doesn't even know God or has no righteousness, doesn't have uh, any scriptural training, how are you different than an unsaved individual? See, a person that maybe doesn't know the Bible, a person that doesn't know God, they would do some things that sound right to them, but they, they're not filtering them through the lens of Scripture, right? And it may sound good, but it may not be exactly what God wants. And he says, you're no different than them. You know what he's really saying here? Are you just doing the bare minimum? I'm saved and I'm just gonna be like everybody else. You know, I'm just gonna love people that are good to me. Well, what about people that aren't good to you? I mean, you are a Christian, right? Do we just want to be like everybody else? So that when people look at us, they have no clue that we are a Christian. People are looking for spiritual outs sometimes, right? Most employees just want to do bare minimum. I worked in a union warehouse. (coughs) We all had specific jobs we were to do, but sometimes you need to pitch in for other things. And here was the key phrase, other than seniority. Seniority was the key word. The key phrase was, that's not my job description. So you can't help somebody that needs help because it's not your job. But that's a mentality we bring. The fact is, we should not have that mentality. And we do. Well, does God really say that? Or do we have to really? And by the way, most of the time when people say that, God doesn't really say it. Okay. 
but they're just like, well, what's the, what's the bare minimum I can do? I'll give you some, but Lord, but I'm not gonna give you everything. Here's the thing. Do we really need reasons to serve God if we're saved? Do we have to look around and find different things? Well, I gotta do it because this says that. And I'm not going to go off of, you know, like the Pharisees where they just dropped a bunch of extra things that had nothing to do with the scripture. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about an attitude we have. We're like, I'm just going to do bare minimum. I'm not going to go over and aboard. You know, there are some things that there's some reason God's, that God gives us to follow him. I'm going to give you four of them. But the fact of the matter is, these are fine, but the fifth one ought to take care of it. The fifth one will be the most important, so hang in there. The other ones, it's like, we should do them because of the reasons I'll give you, but the fact of the matter is, we should do it beyond these reasons. Here's, let me give you a couple thoughts. First of all, we shouldn't, if we're gonna serve God, we really shouldn't need a law. If we're gonna follow him, if we're gonna do what we're supposed to do, look at 1 John chapter five. You can turn there, I'm gonna start reading at the same time. But everybody's like, well, I'm only gonna, and I'm not talking about adding ridiculous things. Don't get me wrong today. I'm just talking about serving God with a right heart. That's all I'm talking about today. You know what I'm saying? The basics of the Christian faith. He says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God <coughs> when we love God <coughs> and keep his commandments. And then here he says, a verse that everybody should know. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's almost like God's got to say, look, do I have to make this point to you to follow me and, and obey my law that, that they're not grievous? Because you know what our mentality is so often? Well, you know, I'm following God and I'm doing what he's saying and I'm just hanging in there. Like that's a bad thing. Following God and doing what he says is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And why would God just say, okay, hey, I have, I have to change your mindset here. This is the love of God, that you do what I say. And to make it easy so you understand that, his commandments are not grievous. You shouldn't need a commandment to, to, to love God and follow him, but he did give us one, right? How many of you are married? Okay, oh, you're willing to admit it. Okay, good. Uh, you know, look, I, I, I love my wife. You know what would be a problem? If, if every night, and I tell her every day, multiple times, but if she says, are you gonna tell me you love me? I mean, Steve, the Bible says you gotta tell me. Can I just tell you something? That'd be a super bad relationship. Are you with me? Hey, hon. She'll say a lot of things, by the way. Um, do you love me? I, you know what? I don't need the Bible to tell me to love my wife. I love her. Okay? And, and by the way, and I know the John R. Rice story, and I get it. Uh, you know, God does tell us to love our wives because he knew how hard it would be. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's just trying to keep our mindset because we say we love our wives sometimes. We don't do the things we're supposed to. But it's easy for me. I don't have to be told by her, hey, do you love me? Okay, yeah, I told, you, I told you a couple months ago. Okay, I'll see you on Christmas. Okay, that'll be my Christmas gift to you. I love you. No. Why do we need a commandment for that? Jesus did tell us to keep his commandments, right? 
If you love me, keep my commandments. It would be hypocrisy to say I love God and want to follow him, and yet <coughs> I don't do anything he says. You know, if I'm going somewhere and I'm, I invite someone, hey, just follow me, I'll show you where we're going. If they want to get there, they're going to have to follow me, right? <coughs> well, I want to follow Jesus, and then we deviate. By the way, it, can I, most people say I'm, I'm a Jesus follower. It's a bumper sticker. Because if you're following Jesus, you're going to be really close to him because you're following him. Instead of, going devi instead of deviating. But he wants us to follow him. The word grievous, he says, my commandments are not grievous. Here's what that word means. Are you ready? <coughs> it means heavy, a burden, severe, and cruel. Isn't that how most people see obeying God? Well, I can't do anything fun, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah, it's just serving God, just hanging on till the end. I don't know what kind of Christianity you have. That's not the kind I have. Because following the Lord is not heavy. Following the Lord is not a burden. Following the Lord is not severe. Following the Lord is not cruel. You know what it is? Sin is. Sin takes a heavy toll on you spiritually. And it causes all kinds. It brings a burden. You know what that burden is called? Guilt. You ever see people that lie? If you are a liar, you have to have a super good memory. Because you not only have to remember the truth, you got to remember the lie. Because six months later, someone's going to say, oh, yeah, well, you said, and they're like, uh, uh, what? It's like, yeah, you said you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Sin brings guilt. It has severe consequences. It brings cruel punishments. So God, look, we shouldn't need a commandment to follow God, but he did give us one. And he had to remind us that, hey, his commandments are good for us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. We shouldn't need a limit. <coughs> verse 39. But I say unto you, that if you resist, that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Like someone's mean to you and spirited, we want to fight back. I mean, I'm not saying that someone starts hammering. Look, you only have two cheeks. Okay, he didn't say, you know, give him the other cheek and give him your eyes. Like after the second cheek, cheek, protect yourself, all right? But what we do, somebody lashes at us, maybe not, and I'm not even talking physically, someone lashes at us and instead of backing up for a minute, you know what we do? We lash back at them. It's probably why they're going for the other cheek. Most of the time, if we give them the other cheek, they probably won't swing because we're like, what's going on here? Okay? But you do only have two cheeks. Verse 40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy cloak, let him have thy, 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 thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. It's like two for one special. And then verse 41. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile... Go with him twain. And we understand the background of that, right? The Romans could, could, could grab a citizen and, and compel them to carry their burden for a mile. And after a mile, they could stop. He's like, hey, why don't you be a good testimony go a second mile? Not telling us let us be ripped off. He's just saying, sometimes let's back off. Okay? But see, here's the principle for us. He's trying to say, you have a limit to what you'll do. No, I tried that. 
It's like most Christians have like a, a, a governor. You know what a governor is? Well, not the one we have because he's not a governor. He's a lunatic. Um, a governor is something that controls the speed, right? Back before I had a motorcycle, I got a moped first. It was a lot cheaper. Uh, that's, it's like, okay, I can't drive a car. I'm young. I'll just get a moped. And uh, the thing only went like 30, 25, 30 miles an hour. And I'm like, it can do better. It had a governor on it. So I took the thing off and I took the governor off. I picked up about 10 miles an hour. And then I figured out the little, uh, where the muffler came out, if you poke a couple holes in it, it'd go, that thing could go 45 miles an hour. I mean, it's a bike. I'm like, okay, we're picking up. Why? I'm like, I'm not going to just settle for 25 miles an hour. I'm like, I'm going to take the governor off this thing and let's crank it up a bit. Okay? Say, what happened? I, I had some problems. But you know what we do? We say, you know what, Lord? Here's the governor on my life. I'm only going to do first mile Christianity. I'm only going to do one cheat Christianity. Okay? And, and, and I'm not going to go beyond. Well, do I exactly have to do that? What is expected of me? You know what's expected of you? Is to love God. You know what's expected of you? Just to wholeheartedly, 100% give yourself to him. You know, you know what's funny? We celebrate that in our society in some instances. You know what we like? Like if you have a business and you're trying to learn leadership, you love the guys that went all in. You know you do. No one's going to read a book written by a guy that, you know, opened a store and it floundered. You, you like the guy, you know what we like with athletes? We like the athletes like they're out practicing at five in the morning. They're, they're out doing what they're supposed to do when nobody else is. They're an overcomer and we're all for it. And yet when it comes to Christianity, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can go to church, but let's not be fanatics. It's not being, you know what being a, that's not being a fanatic. Being a fanatic as a football fan with no shirt on and a big blue B on his chest and it's 20 below zero. That's not a fanatic, that's a lunatic. Are you with me? Okay? And yet, let's, you know, let's not get too crazy about Jesus. We have that little governor there. Why don't we celebrate when people are, are willing to say, I'll do Whatever God wants. And by the way, <coughs> I like reading those kind of things because it challenges me. How many of you have ever read, uh, and probably most of you have, haven't read, have ever read anything by a man called E.M. Bounds? He wrote on prayer. Like, and it was like 150 years ago. I read his books and I'm like, am I even saved? Some of the stuff he says is so like, this guy knew God. And I'm like, that challenges me. Like, okay, do I know God like this guy does? This guy was serious about it. Why don't we celebrate that? Let's not limit what we do for God. So often we want to limit our commitment. We want to limit the sacrifice we'll make for him. We want to limit our obedience and we want to limit our faithfulness. Next, <coughs> you shouldn't need a list. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 10. I'll explain this. Like, so Luke 17, 10, he says, so likewise, <clears throat> and he's teaching a principle here. When, you, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. You, th you think about that. 
He's setting the principle like, okay, here's your, you know, like job description. I expect you to do this. And he says, and you just do that list. You're not a profitable employee. You know what profit comes? When you go, when you go over and above the investment level. If you put in $10 and you get $10 back, that's called breaking even. Like, and I know, look, you work out, and it's hard. You work somewhere where you get the pay, you get paid the same as somebody else, regardless of how hard you work, and they do bare minimum, and they're getting the same money, so you're like, I'll do the same thing. Hey, you, you, you don't gauge yourself by somebody else. You ought to just say, I want to be the best employee I can. By the way, do you know bosses notice that stuff? This is free advice. I've been a boss here, and I've been boss other places. It's like, if that, guy's, if that guy's doing the job, I'm gonna make sure he's taken care of. Because if he ain't doing it, I, I gotta do it, okay? But that's, you know, it's just like, hey, look, profitability means when we go over it. I don't just wanna follow a list. Well, you know, what do I have to do as a Christian? Boom, 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 boom. Okay, I've done those six things. You know, a relationship is more than that, right? And, and, and let's go back to the marriage. <coughs> There's a list of things I need to do as a husband. I did this, did that. All right, honey, hit that, hit that six list, leave me alone. It's like, you gotta go over and above. It's doing whatever the other person needs. It's, it's sacrificing yourself for them. It's being willing to go that extra mile. It's being willing to give that extra effort. And by the way, we have a lot of people in our church that do, Right? All the stuff that happens here, and we have services going on in other places in the building and all that. We have stuff that goes on on Saturday because there's a, a group of people behind the scenes that do that over and above. Let's not just say, well, this is my list, and I know people don't like, well, you know, you shouldn't follow a list. I know God did give lists, right? Ten commandments. I don't know if you knew that's a list. How do you know it's a list? Because there's ten. Okay? But, like, I, I want to just serve the Lord. And I want to find out what that is, and I want to do it. The important thing to understand with this point is that we're not just following a list. We're following a master, right? You work somewhere. Look, if I work somewhere and the boss says, hey, I, I need you to do this, and it's not what I normally do, I'm going to do it because the boss asked me to do it. Also, <coughs> you shouldn't need logic. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Now, again, these are things God has given to us, and we should follow them. But if we will follow the fifth point, these things will be there, but our motivation will be at a higher level. I love this verse, these verses. Of course, <coughs> we taught on them a lot. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that means beg, by the mercies of God that you present yourselves, give yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me briefly go through these verses because I could really spend a whole series on them. We know the verse as well. He's begging, us, he's begging us to be a sacrifice. You know, the Old Testament sacrifices, they killed them and put them on the altar and burned them. Well, we're a living sacrifice. In other words, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm giving my life for you. And he wants us, he says that's holy to him. Holy is right and sacri sac uh, set apart. And it's acceptable to him. God accepts that. 
When they would put that sacrifice in the altar, it said it was a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord, acceptable to him. He says, I like that. He's commanding us also not to be conformed to the world. Conformed means we're pressed into the Lord. We're just, like, we're just like society that doesn't even understand God. And then he said, but I want you to be transformed. You get a new mind and you fulfill God's worse, verse, uh, his, his will. But here is the motivation for us. Look at the end of verse one. He says, which is your reasonable service. That's a, that's a logical term. In other words, it makes sense. Now, unless you go to our, one of our government school systems, this makes sense to me. Two plus two is four. That's logic. It's reasonable. It adds up. You know, someone's born a boy, they're always a boy. That's reasonable. That's truth. That makes sense. You know, if you're born a girl, you'll always be a girl. That's reasonable. It makes sense. You say, well, my kid goes to a school where they don't teach them that. Then you shouldn't put them in that school. That's a message for another day. But it just makes sense. Do you know what adds up? Living for God. It's reasonable. It's sensible. It adds up. It works. It's right. That's the logic. We should understand that. We should understand that, you know what? It is only the right thing to do. To me now, <coughs> I would look back and say the opposite. It's illogical to me to, to be a Christian and not follow God. I, I don't understand that. Uh, coming into the church as a coming out of the world, and I was both feet, both arms, everything in the world. Coming out of the world, and all the garbage and the nonsense, and I came into church, I thought, Haven of Rest. By the way, I like that name, Haven. That's my granddaughter's name. But Haven, it was like, this is the place. And everybody here is going to love God, and it's going to be great. And I'll get with the singles. And, I'll, and I was kind of, you know, I got out of high school early. And, 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 and so I wasn't a teenager, and I wasn't quite a single. So I was kind of in between, hanging with everybody. And I'm like, this is going to be great. And I met some of them that grew up in church. It's like, why aren't you guys serious about God? And I didn't just take things, you know, I'm like, you were fortunate enough to grow up in church. Don't you know it's just logical? I mean, I was so like, I just, I wanted all of it. And I couldn't understand how I, no, no, all of it, it was a handful, how you kids wouldn't love that. You had the privilege to grow up in a Christian home. You had a privilege to go to church your whole life. You had a privilege to go to a Christian school. I didn't have that privilege. I would have loved to have had that privilege. And it didn't make sense to me why they wouldn't want to follow God. That still doesn't make sense to me. It's just reasonable. It adds up. It, 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 it makes sense. Now, these are all good reasons to follow God, but that, those aren't the main reasons we should. Here's the main reason. Because of love. Because of love. We should love God. He says in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now he had to, he had to tell us, hey, come on, what's, don't have a wrong mindset. My commandments aren't grievous, they're good for you. And he encourages us because he knows our frailty. But the fact of the matter is, we ought to just do it because we love him. That ought to be our motivation. 
you know, look, it's Christmas, right? We all like to do good things for our family. But some of them, the in-laws, it's like, we'll, we'll hit you up at Christmas and say hi and then see you next year, okay? But, but we, we want to be with our families. We want to do things for those that, people that we love. Why wouldn't we want to do that for God? You see, I think you ought to obey God because he says you should. I think you ought to obey God without limits because he tells us to. I think we ought to serve God because it is just a logical thing to do and he told us to give it. it. All those things are true. All those things are right. But fact of the matter is, if I love him, those things aren't an issue. They're just confirmation. And he, he says, we should just love him. And he said he loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that, me, that we might live through him. You know that part about sending his son into the world? That's what Christmas is. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Do you understand that's a big deal? Because we weren't chasing after God. I wasn't. God was chasing after me. I wasn't looking for a savior. I wasn't looking for someone who was sacrificing for my sins. I had no clue about it. But God sent his son before we ever knew that. God's plan for redemption was before we ever contemplated it. He loves us that much. Yes, it's a big deal that we should love him. But we ought to love him because he first loved us. What's the best reason to follow God? Because he loves us. And because he loves you. Because what happens is, look, in any relationship, how many understand there's conflict? Raise your hand. Okay, there's conflict. You know, well, pastor, you're married. You and your wife never have conflict. Um, you got issues. I'm a man, she's a woman, right? We have disagreements. But you know what? It's not a big deal. You know why? We love each other. Right? See, when you don't love somebody, a, a, a disagreement and issue is a big thing. Now, now you're deciding whether or not well, then, am I, are they going to be my friend anymore? You bail out on them? Really? Oh, so you only want things when things are going good. You know what that's called? That's not called friendship. That's called selfish. We ought to just love God. God, I love you. And then there's a trial that comes our way. And God's on trial now. God, you better come through. What if he doesn't? What if God knows you need to go through that? So do you still love him? You going to put him on trial every time you don't get your way? Right? Aren't we, you know, we've seen videos of these selfish little kids. You give them a gift. I don't like that gift. I want something else. I'm like, good. You can keep the wrapping paper. I'll take the gift. You ain't getting nothing. Well, I didn't want that. Well, good. You don't have it now. Right? Are we, 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 act, but we, come on, we act like that sometimes towards God. I, I'll confess there's time with God. I'm like, what's, what are you doing? I, don't, I mean, not like that, but like, what's going on here? I wouldn't do that if I were you, Lord. Now, if he, if he would speak to me, I know what he's saying. He goes, that's why I didn't ask you. But we're like that. Let's not put God on trial. Let's just say, I love you, Lord. Thank you for all the things you tell me to do in the Bible. Thank you for all the, all the things you're telling me to push me forward. But Lord, I'm going to do it because I love you. That's the best motivation you could ever have. Do you love God today? And, and, and I'm not talking about bumper sticker love. 
You know, honk if you love Jesus. Forget that, honk if you tithe. Okay, honk if you won't cut me off. Please. Say, Pastor, I want to get a bumper sticker that says, I love Pacific Baptist Church. I've seen you drive. I've seen me drive, okay. But let me ask you this. Do you really love him? Well, then here's the question. Then nothing will, are you going to let anything stop you from following him 100%? Because if you do, you may have emotions towards Jesus, but you don't have the kind of love that he wants. Let's bow our head and close our eyes today, if we may. Thank you for listening. <coughs> Just went a little bit fast here this morning. <clears throat> There's a lot of reasons God has given us to follow him, but the fact of the matter is those reasons are encouraging and they're confirmation, but we shouldn't need those reasons. We ought to just follow him because we love him. And when you love somebody, you don't say, what is the bare, look, when I got married, I didn't tell my wife, what's the bare minimum I need to do to keep you in this relationship? I don't think like that. You know, I have kids. I didn't think, what's the bare minimum I need to do to keep a good relationship with my children and keep them on board? I didn't think like that. I wanted to be with them all the time and I want to do everything I can to show my love to my wife. I don't want to just, bare minimum, bare minimum. It doesn't work. Love takes you past that. Do you really love him today? Not the kind of love that most Christians have. They have a fish on their Bible and that's great. But are you committed to following him? That's what real love is. Maybe we need to up our love for God. Maybe we would not really have a trial for, for God, but the way we react sometimes is as if we do have a trial. Maybe you're here this morning. <coughs> you are not a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. So it would be hard for you to do these things because you haven't taken that first step. That first step is becoming a Christian. You say, what do you mean by that? Here's the question. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or would you have some doubt? You say, pastor, that's me. I would have some doubt. I'm not 100% for sure. I couldn't give you a scriptural reason why I should go to heaven. But you know, I'm interested in that. I'd kind of like to know what that's all about. With nobody looking around, if you say, that's me, Pastor, I'm not for sure. Just raise your hand real quick. Let me, and I'll see it and I'll, I'll acknowledge it. And you put it down. Anybody like that at all? I see you right here. Anybody else? Can we please stand together? The piano's going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you? Maybe, Lord, I'm going to love you with everything. I love you with everything. And Lord, help my love not to grow cold. Help my love to stay on target. Not like in relationships where sometimes things come into that relationship and the love starts to get cold and there seems to be a little separation there. You know what you need to do? You need to go back to doing the things that made that love solid. Sometimes we need to do that with our relationship with God, don't we? We quit reading our Bibles and our love for God starts to cool down. We're kind of hit and miss in church and our love for God starts to cool down. Let's make sure we're doing those things.